You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Dansby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts. Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am your only host this week, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryBauer.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. Now, normally, this is the part where I introduce my regular co-host, Garrett Spain. You can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB. Even though he is not here this week, uh, he is traveling, and as a result, you only get to hear the dulcet tones of yours truly talk about the Braves minor league system this week on Road to Atlanta. Thank you all so much for the support on all the podcasts and for just supporting us regardless of who's on the show uh, every week. You guys have been great. And as this minor league season winds down, just a friendly reminder that we're going to have less and less games to talk about, less and less information for you. As the season winds down, starting next weekend, we're going to be having the end of the kind of the lower levels with Rome and Augusta ending up, and then Mississippi goes on about a week after that, and then Gwinnett finishes out the month of September before they are done as well. But let's get right into it here. The big news kind of that affects the big league club mostly. One, we did see Bryce Elder make an appearance uh, against Miami, and he was optioned quickly after the game, and he pitched very, very well there. Really great to see him pitching well at, at the big league level. That, it seems like the Braves are picking his spots a bit with him. The one thing about Bryce this year is that he has been having some issues with the home run ball, so if you're going to throw him, you can do a lot worse than putting him up against one of the worst offenses in the league in the Miami Marlins. You put him in that situation, and he can actually perform well at least on a consistent basis. I am still convinced that he will be a good major league pitcher, but he might take a little bit more work. But it's nice to see that the Braves are looking for those opportunities to get him in there, to give him some opportunities to play. And it seems like that's what they did when they brought him in against brought him in for, against Miami to give Jake Odorizzi a bit of time, some rest, give, and making sure they don't mess up their rotation too much. The other big news that's going to be kind of impacting what's going on at the big league level is how rehab assignments are going. Ozzy Albies began his rehab assignment from his from his foot injury on Thursday already has a couple hits has looked good, you know, playing when he, ha- when he has been playing. And it, again, th- this, we do not expect this rehab stint to be a particularly lengthy one, just a way to get his timing back, just a way to, you know, make sure he can perform on the field. And overall he has looked good. He has looked the part. He looks healthy. And that's the most, the most important thing. I would not be shocked if he saw him play a few games this week 
and then he actually goes out and gets activated. And then it's going to be very interesting to see what the Braves do with their active roster once that happens, how they handle guys like Vaughn Grissom, how much they, and how they handle playing time with him as well as other guys on that roster. The other news is that you know, with rosters expanding, they added Jesse Chavez and Orlando Arcia. The we were the issue was somewhat forced as to what to do with Mike Soroka. He is still rehabbing. It was not particularly close to ready. You know, he hadn't quite stretched out yet. So he was reinstated from the 60-day injured list, but he was optioned to Gwinnett and did play last week. And he and he pitched very well. He went four scoreless innings with five strikeouts. The plan was presumed to be he was going to get close to 90 pitches. However, because of the because of the rain, his outing was cut short. It would have been very interesting to see how he looked kind of in that 60 to 80 pitch range, what his pitches looked like, how he was going to perform. But unfortunately, we didn't get to see that because, again, the rain just, you know, they caused the middle of the game delay, had to actually suspend that game. You know, Connor Johnson had to finish things up the next day. So, unfortunately, we didn't get to see Mike go back out there. We are certain that we're going to see him again this week, and hopefully he'll continue to pitch well. And who knows, maybe then an injury happens and maybe he's pitching so well that the Braves have to take a long look at him. But for right now, it looks like that Mike Soroka will not be joining the team for the rest of the regular season. At least we would be pretty shocked if it happened. Now let's go to the part of the, uh, the I guess, podcast. Again, it's going to be a little bit shorter this week. One, we don't have Garrett to kind of do that back and forth like we normally do. But also, there's a lot of rain this week. A lot of kind of crummy games, rain, shortened games, suspended games, delays, things like that. So there wasn't as much to talk about as we would normally have to talk about when we do this, but we're going to go ahead and go by the level-by-level breakdown as to what happened last week in the minor leagues, and we're going to start with the Gwinnett Stripers. And the biggest part of looking at this roster at this moment is on the pitching staff, because ultimately there's just a lot of quad-A-type depth at the with the Gwinnett Stripers. Not a lot of prospects are currently playing on that team, it's, uh, at least on the position player side. The one notable prospect that we had on that team was Braden Shoemake. And as you guys are well aware, he had got injured in a collision out there in left field with Travis Demerit. It looked really ugly to us. You know, I think there might have been even a concussion involved with, with that whole situation. But it was announced, and apparently we had missed it. Garrett and I actually mentioned a couple times that we hadn't gotten an update. We had asked multiple times. We just hadn't heard anything. But apparently it was announced like in the like midnight by Dave O'Brien that actually he had, a, had to have uh, surgery with, a, I believe, an injured PCL tendon in his knee, which, frankly, isn't that surprising that he had a bit of a knee injury, although how that injury was handled after the fact was certainly a weird situation. I think there might have been something else, some other things going on there where it seemed like that Shoemaker was having trouble even, like, sitting up straight. And this was some time ago, so, you know, we don't want to necessarily rehash it too much, but he is going to be out for the season. He's not going to be coming back this year. So as a result, we have a lot of quad A types, guys who are getting claimed on minor league free agent deals, guys who got traded for uh, in minor league deals, and we'll get to one in here in a second. But overall, the, the if you're looking for prospects, what you're going to be looking at is the pitching staff, specifically with this Gwinnett team. One offensive player that did have a good week was Tyler White. Now, this is a guy that the Braves had traded for for cash uh, you know, back in the middle of August, and he had himself a good week. He had some pretty big home, big key hits for Gwinnett and was, you know, has a good bit of production. He's been reasonably okay uh, since the the. Braves traded for him as kind of an, we had one of those minor league trades that they happened this time of year just to make sure you have a, a backup first base in in a, in a pinch when you really really need one in that kind of worst case scenario they picked up Tyler White and he seemed like he's been pretty good and overall he had a pretty good week last week now on that pitching staff we're going to talk about a few guys uh, one is a guy that we are very familiar with at the big league level and that's Ian Anderson now he has not looked particularly good in Gwinnett and last week he he was okay I will I will say that he was okay you know the he pitched into the sixth inning, was throwing a bunch of strikes. He only walked one batter. He missed some bats, too, which was nice to see. But he gave a bunch of hits. It was like nine hits in five and two-thirds innings, which isn't ideal. So I wish I had a better 
news on that front other than to say that at least he was he has certainly improved over his previous outings in Gwinnett but again he's still getting squared up a bit he's not he he's seeing a lot of base runners and that's not really what you want to see from a guy who has the postseason experience that he has who's had the success at the big league level he certainly still has some things to work on but it does seem like that there's a pretty big focus on him right now just making sure he's finding the strike zone and once he's finding the strike zone then they can kind of work out the details on where the you know where the location needs to be within that strike zone and go from there now two other guys in the rotation who are worth keeping an eye on one is Kyle Muller who's been probably one of the better pitching prospects in the Braves farm system all year long had a decent start we'll call it decent now here's the good news seven innings we like only two runs we like even better over seven innings you'll take that almost every time however something to keep an eye on is that he had four walks against four strikeouts we want to generally with Muller, we like those strikeouts our totals to be closer to six or higher and four walks i don't want to call it like a ptsd type thing but we always worry a little bit with Muller in the sense that if with a walk start creeping up a bit and those big long levers of his start getting out of whack that maybe the command goes out of whack for a little while and we don't want to see that so maybe hopefully this is just going to be a little bit of an anomaly and he'll miss more bats next time it was a relatively good team that they're up against with some good real prospects so we'll just kind of chalk this up to you know just some good hitters you know fighting off pitches but overall a decent start for Muller. You'll certainly take two runs on over seven innings almost every time, but there were some peripherals that were a little bit concerning. One guy who's had some real issues since being promoted is Jared Schuster, and we haven't talked about it a lot on this podcast, and I think we're gonna, I'm going to take a little bit of time here to kind of explain what's going on here, is that Jared Schuster... He's been going about five innings every outing, and that you'll you'll take that from a guy who's making his promotion, and you know it's not necessarily a guy that can be relied on for stretching out six, seven innings in the big leagues. You know, you just want to kind of get his work in at AAA, see where he's at. The issue here is that he's not striking out anybody, and he's having issues with home runs. Now we've talked at length on this podcast about the home run issues that Jared Schuster has, and it's commanding that fastball. If he's missing in the zone with that thing, it's not it, it's not a, a swing and miss pitch unless the location is really good. Because then it's a low 90s offering and it gets teed off on. That's kind of what's happening in AAA. Uh, just as kind of a point of reference here, in any start in Gwinnett, and I think he's up to six now, it's either five or six, he has not struck out more than four batters in any outing at Gwinnett, and he's given up eight home runs and six starts. Yeah, it is six. That is not great. When you're giving up kind of having issues in the long ball, you have a fringy fastball, and you're not missing bats, that's a bit of a problem. Now, I will say... Jared Schuster's changeup is still one of the best pitches in the Braves farm system. No question of that. But it has to pitch off that fastball, and that fastball has to be located perfectly. And that is not what we've seen at AAA. It's just not the case. He's missing when he's missing. He's missing in the zone in bad places. And he's also, like, if he's trying to avoid the area altogether, the fastball is just not competitive. They get the, the hitters are getting good reads on it, and they're not swinging at those ones out of the zone. And that's going to be a bit of a problem for him. Hopefully he can get that worked out and he can kind of get back to sort of the, the performance we're seeing from him at double A where he was actually pitching quite well. The changeup was working great. The fastball was being spotted in re- like really, really well. But so far we have not seen that at AAA. And that's going to be an issue for him going forward. It's been kind of a concern of ours for a long time. Now we're going to head on to Mississippi, which is, again, another interesting roster. There's, there's prospects on both sides of the ball here in Mississippi, though. And we're going to talk about on the offensive side first. Now, Cody Milligan's a guy that we have kind of a little bit of a love affair with on the show. He, again, power is a bit fringy. There's no question about that. But this guy can play a bunch of different positions. I think you could put him in all three positions in the outfield. You can play him at second base. You could probably play him at short or third in a pinch if you really needed to. Uh, he's a good second baseman. Missed a handful of games last week, but he came back, and in the three-week games he did play, he had five hits total. 
you'll t- you'll take a guy, a, this production from this guy out of the leadoff spot. He gets on base a ton. He draws walks, hits singles. He'll hit doubles, but he, you know, again, if you're looking for a guy who's going to really kind of crank into one and give you a big free run homer, that's going to be a lot less likely to happen out of him. But it was nice to see, you know, after missing a few a couple games, that he comes back and has a, and a good end of the week. Now, Justin Henry Malloy is a guy who's been very, very good for the Braves farm system most of the year. Uh, has certainly had a, sw- had a swoon in Rome. Came back, was hitting well. Gets promoted to Mississippi and was hitting the cover off the ball. It was a bit of a downish week by his standards, though. But I say that and still say that he still hit safely in four and five games that he played in last week. This was a, a guy who's just, you know, hitting the ball hard. The previous week is just hitting home runs, driving the ball, just kind of single-handedly carrying the offense. Overall, just has been a terror on the, the, the Southern League. But last week, he wasn't as dominant, even though he was remaining productive. Now, one guy that I think that you would be shocked to hear has been as good as he's been since he's been promoted to Mississippi and has a 1,085 OPS in 32 games at AA this year is Cade Bunnell. Had some, has had some key hits, uh, has been raking for Mississippi, just... All he does is just come up in big spots and produce. It's just what he does. He'll have a one-for-three game, but that, that one hit will be a two-run single almost every time. He just has a knack for it. There's a somewhat similar profile to Milligan here is that the, the power is a little bit fringy. Not, probably not a, probably not rangy or athletic enough to play short or third. But, again, one of those second-base type guys who seems like he knows how to hit. One of those Again, one of those small school type guys. This is a name to watch. I'm not saying he's going to end up being an everyday major leaguer whatsoever, but I am saying that for a guy that you know isn't doesn't have a lot of prospect pedigree, he's been a lot of fun to watch, especially since he's been promoted. Now let's talk about Drew Lugbauer, who we get asked about a decent bit because he has some pretty gaudy home run totals. Uh, he's among the league leaders in the Southern League in home runs, and you know once you kind of get you know seeing that on social media and things like that, people start wondering you know why aren't we talking about him more? The issue here is that the only hits that Drew Lagerbauer hits are home runs. He's been abysmal for a couple months now, and he was very patent, very middling at best before that. The, the hit tool is just a real problem here. Had an abysmal August, and September has not started off better. Only had one hit last week, and that, oddly enough, wasn't a home run. The raw power with Drew Lugbauer is very real. He has that, and he performed very well for Mississippi last year. There's no question. But this year, just again, he seems like he's been getting victimized, uh, swinging over the top of balls. Not The pitch recognition has taken a step backwards. These are all going to be problems for him, even though that when he able, is able to run into one, he can really make it go a long way. Now, one story that's been really fun for us at Mississippi has been Javier Valdez, who has been a fun story to play this year. Hit really well for, for Rome. Again, had a little bit of a swoon at times, but started hitting again. Brought him up to Mississippi, and he's been hitting really well. There's no question. He can, this guy can hit. Uh, he has some power. He just produces at the plate. There is one thing that we probably haven't mentioned enough on this podcast is that he cannot control the running game as a catcher. He cannot. And we and Garrett, oddly enough, was the one that looked this up, and I went and confirmed it, and it's kind of blown my mind. He's given up 116 stolen bases this year. 116. He has only caught 12 batters. That is downright bad. And... At, as a result, my, my hunch is that unless there's some issues with, you know, like people just completely stop caring about controlling the running game altogether, 
we might see a position change for Javier Valdez down the line because if you can, are that bad at controlling the little running game and teams are that compelled to run against you when you're back there, then maybe you, a different position might be in store for you. Now, on the pitching side, our favorite pitching step, pitching prospect on, on, for Mississippi right now is Dylan Dodd. He has been excellent. Six innings, nine strikeouts last week. He is just one of those lefties who is really deceptive, has a bunch of pitches, gives you a lot of different looks. It's taken some work from him this year to be more consistent in commanding all his pitches and figuring out exactly what he wants to throw and when against pro hitters, but he's really dialed things in after that first month of the season or so. And just a guy who we really like. The fastball's live. The breaking ball has some sharp break to it. Has a good changeup. These are all things that we like. This is a name that I'm circling in my mind going into the offseason as someone that if the Braves are going to be making some trades, my hunch is that this is a guy that's going to be featured in a lot of those talks because he's just, again, lefties with this kind of repertoire are hard to come by. And the Braves, this was a, this was a senior sign in the third round. He got, he got six figures, but it wasn't a ton of money. To pick this sort of guy and to get what you're getting out of him at Mississippi and AA this quickly is really going to be a fun thing to watch going forward and it's kind of what his future is because I think the Braves like him a lot too that's kind of the issue too is that you know we talk about him as a kind of a trade piece but there's just so many pitchers in this system that maybe that he's one of those guys that's an odd man out and we already saw Andrew Hoffman get shipped out but at the same time Dodd's a Dodd's a real pitcher and so maybe that they like the the metrics enough that they want to keep him around and see if they can't bring him into the rotation in the next couple years. One last note about Mississippi before we take our break is that Jesse L. De La Cruz is a name that we don't bring up very much anymore on this podcast. He was the guy that we featured heavily on our prospect list in the past. He was in prospect rankings, was really kind of on the rise, was a guy that had a really good breaking ball, fastball was live. And then once he got to Gwinnett, things kind of took a turn for him. Uh, we suspected that there was probably some injury stuff, just the, how much of a dive he took in terms of the quality of stuff that maybe he wasn't fully completely healthy. Was at Gwinnett, didn't play well, and has since then been moved fully to a relief role, and now he's back down in Mississippi, which is never a good sight to see. Uh, whenever a guy gets demoted, that's never generally good news overall. Now he's been fully re- reliever in Mississippi since the middle of August, I believe. And again, this is kind of a sad, you know, and a, a, frankly, a big fall for him. Hopefully he can bounce back. But just kind of, if, you know, that, if that's a name that you remember hearing and you wonder where he went, well, now you have your answer. Before we go on to Rome and Augusta, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back to talk about the Rome Braves. Now, the Rome Braves have a big uh, place in our hearts here with Garrett and I. We've been there a whole bunch. We love covering the team, and this they're always remain interesting each and every year. And this squad is no exception, despite the fact that their lie guys have kind of come and gone, being promoted through that that team in high A. There are still some real prospects on both sides of the ball here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the pitching prospects here first. First is that Dylan Spain, uh, Garrett's uh, quote-unquote cousin, uh, as we like to say around here, uh, had a good start. It seems like that they're really kind of committing to him starting long term and right now he's been he performing pretty well last week he go through almost five innings and again there wasn't a there was wasn't a pitch pitch count problem you know he threw i think it was like 75 80 pitches something like that uh they're just still kind of stretching them out and seeing how it goes but he struck out seven batters in almost five innings of work so again for a guy who has really kind of struggled as a reliever and we're trying to figure out exactly where he kind of fits into the organization. It's nice to see the Braves see the, the talent there and decide that maybe he's better suited for a starting role. And so far, that experiment has worked. Now, next up, we have J.J. Necro, who was very dominant down there in the, uh, for the Augusta Green Jackets. And Wayne Cavati is a guy who has loved this guy for a long time. The promotion to Rome has not been particularly kind to him, but he was good. He was pretty good last week. I'll say pretty good. Uh, went four innings. Again, there was some efficiency problems, which has been a kind of a growing theme with him as he's been promoted. Just hasn't been able to put guys away a lot, throwing a lot more pitches per inning than he needs to be. But he did have strikeouts and then, you know, put the he put the Brome in the position to win that game. So you can't really complain about that, especially considering what the last few starts of his have been has had really, really struggled. One guy, however, that when he is good, he is really good is Luis Diavila. Now, this is the guy who uh, had a, threw a no-hitter uh, during a half of a doubleheader, so it was kind of one of those seven-inning no-hitters that, you know, only kind of sort of count in some people's minds as no-hitters. He's generally good for five or six innings. He'll throw, he'll give up two, maybe three runs. And he'll, he'll he's kind of an inning-eater type. He looks like org depth. The stuff is pretty good. He's always going to put you in a good spot. He's never really going to throw games for you. But every once in a while... He looks dominant, and that's what we had last week. Six innings with ten strikeouts, only one hit. He was threatening a no-hitter for a while there. And again, it's just one of those guys that, you know, he doesn't always look the part of a guy who's going to be, you know, a threat to throw a no-hitter. But when he is on, he is on. And we like to kind of highlight those guys. I'm not necessarily convinced that he's going to be kind of an important pitching prospect long-term. But, you know, just whenever we see these outings, and he's had, I'd say, three of those kind of really dominant outings this week, this this year, I'd have to go back and double check and really sure. The no hitter was definitely one of them, and I think he had one other one other than the one last week that was just really really dominant. Guy that we're keeping an eye on, just kind of one of those tracking types. You know, maybe he figures things out and rattles off three or four starts in a row, and we think that he's figured something out. Maybe they get some, a little bit more movement, you know, horizontally with that fastball. All these things, you know, if he can do that consistently, he could be really really tough to square up. Now on the hitting side, uh, the hitting the. News wasn't quite as great last week. Uh, now, I will say that Brendan Mosquito has Mosquito has looked significantly better L- lately. He had a kind of a bit of a tough transition from Augusta. Had, with some injury issues at Augusta, he didn't look quite the same and then getting moved up. He wasn't hitting quite as well. 
But he hit safely in every week last week, which we love to see. We think he's a really good hitter. And assuming that, you know, once he comes back next year, has a full offseason to rest, full offseason to work, we think that he's going to be one of the better hitting prospects in the system. And we, he's a name that we have circled because we love the approach. We love the all his ability to hit to all fields. He has some pop. It hasn't really shown up lately. He hasn't looked quite the same since he's been dinged up, hit by pitches that really caused him some problems in terms of injuries as well as just some other things going on. So hopefully once he has a full off season of rest and kind of can heal up and all that stuff, he's going to look, he's going to look like a guy who's going to be potentially a producer in this system. Cal Conley is a guy that when he got promoted to Rome, he was hitting the cover off the ball, and we felt like that, that promotion had jump-started things for him. He had looked kind of rough at the, at, towards the end there at Augusta, was just you know swinging over the top of things, swinging through pitches, so felt like he was selling out for power, gets to Rome, and was doing great. But for about a month and a half, he's been bad. He's just been bad. The, the defense is already kind of fringy over there. It's short. His approach at the plate seems to be getting away from him. He seems like he's pressing a good bit. We're not, he's not a guy that we're necessarily th- uh, counting on for the long term. Hopefully he can prove us wrong. But the, the approach in the hit tool since he's been drafted has not been as what we thought it was going to be when he was drafted. It just hasn't been the case. He's not that advanced college hitter who's going to be putting up results, you know, at least being productive most nights. He very often disappears. Now, every once in a while he'll run into one and he'll have a good game. But for the most part, he's been kind of a guy that's been a little bit disappointing. One other name before we go on to Augusta is Geraldo Quintero, who's a guy who's been a little bit of a, for us anyway, it's a bit contentious just because uh, Fangrass had a prospect list for the Braves that had him featured in the top 10, which frankly was surprising to us. And that was because this guy has no power. He just doesn't have any. Now, he can hit, and we've certainly come around on the fact that he's probably a top 30 guy, and you know that, that level of hitting ability is important to make note of, but the power is a real question, and he only played in a couple games last week, so he must be dealing with a minor injury issue. But one thing I want to note with Quintero here is that it gets a little more complicated because he does have a hit tool, and if a guy can hit, you usually try to find a spot for him. However, another issue is that his fielding has been pretty bad, and it's been on throws, uh, 24 errors this season, which is not good. I mean, again, he's already kind of... When you don't have power... You only have a hit tool, and you kind of need to be able to play like second base or be able to play a position reasonably well, and, you, and he doesn't. It's hard to know where his future lies. Maybe he play, he can play outfield. doesn't seem like he has the athleticism to do that, though. So, you know, and you don't want to necessarily use a corner spot for him because, again, the arm isn't great. Kind of a murky future for him overall, but we do think he can hit for, for, for better or for worse. Last up, we have the Augusta Green Jackets, a team that is consistently weird. I always have some of the weirder games that we're going to see each and every year. There'll be, you know, games where, like, both teams walk 15, 16 times, and, you know, they'll somehow manage to lose 12 to 10, or, you know, they'll put up eight runs in the bot- the top of the 10th inning, and, you know, just weird stuff like that. Now, we'll start with the pitching side here, because this is where a lot of your 2022 draft class currently resides. And we'll start with the two top picks, and that's Owen, Rich- Owen Murphy and J.R. Ritchie. Now, Owen Murphy had a rough get- rough start. He only recorded a single out, um, just couldn't command anything, had a bunch of base runners, was getting hit hard. Just one of those days where he just didn't have anything. I will say, though, that his overall line where he had five earned runs give up was a bit misleading because he certainly had some, he left some runners on base, but the reliever letting all of those runners score, including giving up a grand slam in the inning, probably didn't help the overall line. So when you look at that line, don't, you know, don't, you know, he just had, he gave up too many base runners that got him out of there, but unfortunately the reliever was somehow worse than that. Then you have J.R. Ritchie, the 35th overall pick. 
uh, picked after Murphy. Uh, had some control issues in his latest appearance, but nothing so glaring as to make think, think he was like, in a bad spot. It was just having trouble finding the strike zone. Wasn't getting the same feedback as he had been in previous outings. Nothing super to con- be concerned about with him. He, the, he stuff still looks really, really good. We like him a lot. I think you might, amongst the, the battery power minor league staff, you might think that you'll be surprised that some of us may actually think that Richie's better than Murphy, but you know, a little too soon to tell right at the moment. Last, we have Cedric de Grand Prix, who had a good experience with five strikeouts and almost four innings of work, which we have to say, much, much better than his debut where he couldn't get out of the first inning. But again, those things happen once you make those debuts. Sometimes the nerves just get to you. Sometimes you just don't have it, and that's okay. On the offensive side, Ethan Workinger has had himself a weekend. He had five weekends combined on Saturday and Sunday, including three extra base hits with a homer and six RBIs. He's been good since he got promoted to Augusta. Now, this is a minor league free agent that they signed and has been with you know the Florida Coast League for a couple years now. And he fought his way, got his way to Augusta, and he's just hit the entire time he's been in Augusta. Really, really surprising to see. Once I actually looked at those numbers, we knew he's kind of been producing, but it was just kind of surprising kind of how those numbers have all added up. And once we got, we got a closer look at him, he's definitely more on our radar than we certainly thought he was going to be uh, probably since the, start of, once the start, since the start of August. This is the Nacho Alvarez, I'm sorry, Nacho Alvarez appreciation part of the podcast. This guy can just flat out play. He hit safely in four or five games last week. He's been seeing time at shortstop, which is something that interests me quite a bit because, you know, in terms of his fielding, he can really can pick it over at third, has a strong arm. If you get a shortstop out of this bat, he gets a lot more interesting and a lot more value. And I think he's going to be a good shortstop. He has he, he moves really well side to side, has a strong arm. I think he's going to end up being a good shortstop. We'll see how that goes, though. That's always the transition, and we'll see if that actually sticks. But uh, the one thing, though, with him is, though, a lot of his hits are just kind of flares and grounders that get through. I do think that he needs to, you know, make some changes to his swing to be able to drive the ball more. You don't want to mess anything up. You don't want to mess up a good thing necessarily. But at the same time, the the one thing that does seem to lack in his game is power. But I don't think that's for lack of strength. And I don't think there's, you know, anything that's super, like you have to change anything so drastically to get that power from that swing. But he's definitely going to have to be able to figure out how to get some loft because that would certainly help his prospect status significantly. Uh, one last note before we let everyone, I let everyone go. Uh, it was a bit of an up and down week for the Braves' third round overall pick in Drake Baldwin. Uh, he's hit reasonably well since being promoted to Augusta and since he was drafted. He's been okay. Uh, we have not seen power to speak of out of that bat yet, though. So that's something to keep in mind. But for the most part, he seemed like he's looked okay behind the plate. and He's been hitting reasonably well. So that's a name we haven't really had a ch- t- chance to talk about a whole lot yet. Um, and considering he was a relatively high pick, I thought it was a good time to make sure that we had a chance to talk about it. Well, that's all the time I have this week. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. I know it's not the same without having Garrett here on the show. Uh, the back and forth between he and I is something that I enjoy and miss every single week. When, uh, I, I miss when we don't have it every single week, so hopefully he enjoys his travels and he's back quickly. Make sure you're subscribed to the Battery Power podcast feed to make sure you don't miss a single episode of Road to Atlanta. You just search Battery Power on whatever your preferred podcast platform is, and you can subscribe there. Not only we get this podcast, you will get the flagship Battery Power podcast hosted by the great Brad Rowland. You get the Daily Hammer hosted by the great Sean Coleman. And you get the still unnamed podcast hosted by our fearless leader, Chris Willis, and Stephen Tolbert, who kind of our deep dive sort of into topics type podcast each week. Thank you all so much for all the support. And until next time, we'll see you on the road. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs. 
you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.